The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. Is embodying joy, body, mind, and heart. So it's the last uh, in a series of day-longs on the Brahma Viharas. The Brahma Viharas are the divine abodes that the Buddha invites to dwell in. They are the four forms of love that he taught us. Uh, The first day long, uh, we started with the ultimate Brahma Vihara, equanimity. Um, Because equanimity ideally pervades all of our practice with, with the others. The second was on metta, loving kindness or friendliness. So this is when we cultivate an attitude uh, of kindness and friendliness towards all beings. And then third was on compassion, which is the opening of the heart when loving kindness meets suffering. And today we're doing mudita, which is gladness or sympathetic joy. So on these four forms of love, the Buddha instructs his disciples as follows. He says, bhikkhus. Bhikkhus is usually translated as monks, but actually um, the Buddha was using it to refer to all of his disciples both male and female, both monastic and lay. Those noble disciples, thus freed from covetousness, freed from malevolence, not bewildered, but self-possessed and concentrated, with hearts possessed of loving-kindness, compassion, gladness, and equanimity, Abide radiating one quarter, and then the second, the third, and the fourth, with loving kindness, with compassion, with gladness, with equanimity. Pervading the whole world with a heart immeasurable, grown great and boundless, free from enmity and untroubled. And one comes to know that formerly this heart of mine was confined. It was not made to grow. But now my heart is boundless, well made to grow. So the practice of these Brahma Viharas, these divine abodes of love, take us from covetousness to generosity, from a mind that is confined to one that's boundless and immeasurable. The Brahma Viharas all have as their aim uh, the attainment of mental calm or equanimity. And this uh, fosters the development of liberating insight.
the Buddha says, a still mind, like still water, yields a clear reflection of what is before it. So the correct practice of all of the Brahma-viharas, these four forms of love, always leads to increased clarity and increased joy. So in your own practice, that's one of the um, measuring sticks you can use to know if you're, you're practicing correctly. Increased clarity, increased joy. A lot of us um, think, you know, oh, meditation, I'm not a good meditator. If only I could get my meditation together, then I'd be happy. But the Buddha actually um, turns it around. Uh, He says that the arising of samadhi, of deep meditation, is preceded by all these different flavors of joy. Uh, Samadhi is usually translated as concentration, uh, but it also means something like unification of mind. We're not separate from our meditative experience. And our mind is harmonious. So uh, in the the Buddhist path, um, there are three general uh, areas of what we cultivate. Sila, Samadhi, and Panya, which means ethics, first of all, and meditation, and wisdom. So the Samadhi part, the meditation part, encompasses right effort, right mindfulness, and right concentration. But what the Buddha teaches is that samadhi arises because of sukha, happiness. Who would have thunk it? But um, there's there's a a link of dependent arising that occurs actually in 43 different discourses in the Pali Canon. So it's not a one-off thing. It's, it's something that's very, um, very much a part of the Buddhist teaching. So samadhi arises due to happiness. Happiness arises from tranquility. Tranquility follows piti, which is joy or rapture often associated with um, meditation. And this joy arises from pamoja, which means delight. So it's a natural unfolding. It moves from delight, if we can be delighted with our existence and our experience. Joy can arise. Joy, this kind of joy might be kind of Uh, intense and then it gives way to tranquility and then tranquility ushers in happiness and happiness is is kind of a calm sort of joy sometimes I think of uh, rapture as being sort of vertical and this happiness that leads to samadhi is kind of horizontal it's just 
spreading out evenly. So, uh, if we want to deepen our meditation, we can look uh, towards cultivating some of these different flavors of joy. Uh, The first one, pamoja, delight, um, it means being, uh, it it refers to to the delight that comes from being free of the hindrances that uh, obstruct our meditation. Desire, ill will, sloth and torpor or drowsiness and restlessness and doubt. And this delight also refers to um, the joy that arises from skillful reflection on the true nature of things. So it's very much connected to insight practice. And this natural arising actually goes uh, beyond samadhi and all the way to complete liberation. And it all starts with faith. So faith uh, is the first quality that gets us to gladness or delight. And then through joy, tranquility, happiness, concentration, and concentration, samadhi takes us to seeing things as they are insight. When we see things as they are, we become disenchanted. So disenchantment means uh, that we're no longer fooled by the mirages in our experience. We're no longer tricked uh, by thinking that something that um, we desire is going to make us happy. Uh, And once we have disenchantment, then um, the next step is dispassion. So in Pali, dispassion is viraga, and raga means passion, but it also means dye, like dyeing clothes. So dispassion is a process of the fading away of the dye, uh, which is our clinging. And what's notable about this in the Theravada tradition is that this path to complete liberation uh, is a gradual process. Uh, It's not uh, a question of sudden enlightenment as we might think of in some other traditions. So, delight, pamoja. Not only does it arise from seeing things as they are, but also um, the reverse is true, that having an attitude of friendliness can help us to see clearly. So um, one of the ways that I like to cultivate equanimity is through the practice of seeing each moment as a friend. So now I'd like to read you uh, a poem by the Zen teacher, Charlotte uh, Joko Beck. And she says, Life always gives us exactly the teacher we need at every moment. This includes every mosquito, every misfortune, 
every red light, every traffic jam, every obnoxious supervisor or employee, every illness, every loss, every moment of joy or depression, every addiction, every piece of garbage, every breath, every moment is the guru. So if we could actually practice and live with every moment as the guru, we would be living with equanimity. Um, you may have heard a famous saying by the third uh, Chinese uh, Zen ancestor who says that the great way is not difficult for those who have no preferences. So this is where we get tripped up. There are things that we like, that we feel great about, and we want more of them. There's things that we don't like, that are unpleasant. We have a version, we want to change it and push it away. So we have to be really aware of the power of our likes and dislikes. So one of the things about seeing clearly means that we know the feeling tone of each moment. And this is the second foundation of mindfulness that the Buddha taught. That every moment of our experience has uh, what some people call a hedonistic quality. Very simply, it's either pleasant, it's unpleasant, or it's neither, it's, it's neutral. And this is the first, getting, getting a handle on um, just knowing in every moment whether what we're experiencing is something pleasant, unpleasant, or neutral, is the first step in helping us to cut through our addiction to our preferences. So this noticing, okay, this is unpleasant. This is pleasant. Um, so to let go of the preferences of the, um, the tendency to want to, things to be different from how they are, this is a real doorway to freedom. And knowing that each moment can be our teacher Uh, allows us to be more receptive, more friendly towards what's happening. And there's actually delight in letting go of our tendency to want things to be different than they are. So one of the things that you can put into practice today is noticing the pleasant, the unpleasant, and the neutral and then greeting each moment, regardless of whether it's pleasant or unpleasant or neutral, greeting each moment as a friend and as a teacher. So today we're going to practice um, cultivating some of these different flavors of joy There are many kinds of joy in the Buddhist teachings, including rapture, contentment, gratitude, 
gladness, happiness. Uh, in the Tirigata, which is a collection of the songs of awakening by the Buddha's first female disciples, uh, the nun Uttama celebrates the freedom and joy that comes from completely letting go, from finding one's home in the vast emptiness of the unborn. And she says, I have found what is vast and empty in the unborn. It is what I have longed for. I am a true daughter of the Buddha, always finding joy in peace. So peace um, is also a a translation for Nibbana, which means uh, complete liberation. So finding joy in Nibbana. And then in another example from this collection of poems, the Terigata Mutta, uh, this is a very short one-line poem, she stresses the role of the simple practice of contentment, of being content with what we have. With a free mind, in no debt, enjoy what has been given to you, this alms food. So the monastics at the time were all beggars, and so she's telling herself to just enjoy what's being given. Another uh, fertile practice for this is the cultivation of gratitude. And when we feel true gratitude, whether towards other beings or towards life in general, then these Brahma-viharas, these four forms of love, flow uh, very naturally. Another um, thing about gratitude is that when we connect with another person through gratitude, the barriers of self and other start to melt. And without the me and the you, we can begin to dwell in the vast openness of the moment. This is what Uttama was talking about. And then as these barriers of self and others start to dissolve, generosity blossoms naturally. So now I'll read to you from the author Melody Beattie, who um, describes some of the functional qualities of gratitude. She says, Gratitude unlocks the fullness of life. It turns what we have into enough and more. It turns denial into acceptance, chaos to order, confusion to clarity. It can turn a meal into a feast, a house into a home, a stranger into a friend. Gratitude makes sense of our past, brings peace for today, and creates a vision for tomorrow.
So from gratitude, uh, gladness uh, arises, this pamoja. The simple practice of gladness can be transformative. And you know, it's true, the, the best things in life are right here. This breath. This path. This moment. When we do the dishes with mindfulness, what used to be a chore starts to shimmer with our vivid presence. And suddenly, doing the dishes or or any uh, task becomes a joy. So here we see the, the role of mindfulness in cultivating joy. When we were doing the standing meditation, we talked about the sense of aliveness and tuning into our life force. It's pretty hard not to feel joy when you realize that you're alive. And our potential as a human being capable of these Brahma-viharas, these forms of love, our potential is immeasurable. We cultivate this vast, boundless quality when we cultivate these Brahma-viharas. And this is not a euphoric high, but it's rather a state of appreciation allowing us to participate fully in the present moment. So today we have uh, the Brahma Vihara of Mudita, gladness, sympathetic joy, altruistic joy. It means to be sympathetic towards others, to appreciate the joys in their life, and to take pleasure in their happiness and success. And it requires going beyond feelings of envy or jealousy. And mudita cultivates enough contentment so that we can spread it around and share it with others. The more we practice practice mudita, the more uh, we feel contentment with our own lives. The etymology of the Pali word mudita is from the adjective mudu, which means soft, mild, tender. So the heart is tenderized. And we feel genuine joy at the well-being, prosperity, and happiness of others. So Buddha Gosa, um, in the fifth century, talks about mudita as follows. On seeing or hearing about a dear friend being happy, cheerful, and glad, gladness can be aroused thus. This being is indeed glad. How good, how excellent. Just as one would be glad on seeing a dear and beloved friend 
so one pervades all being with gladness. So this is, this is the original way that the Buddha taught the Brahma Viharas, is that our main practice is to pervade them. We just, we sit here and we radiate them out. A traditional example of mudita is um, the attitude of mature and loving parents who observe and rejoice in uh, a child's accomplishments. So we can take that same uh, loving parent and turn it towards ourselves as well and towards others. So when we practice mudita, we make a deliberate effort to, first of all, identify with and then rejoice in the joys of others. And the, the ability to feel joy at the happiness of others uh, equal to one's own uh, happiness, it, it does represent uh, a sublime state. The Buddha says, uh, if it were impossible to cultivate the good, I would not tell you to do so. So mudita implies looking for the good in others and learning to recognize the good that there is. So this simple uh, attitude of sympathy towards others is the most basic aspect of mudita. And uh, this practice of sympathetic joy acts as a very powerful agent in releasing the dormant forces of good that we all have in our hearts. And when it becomes strong, many of our negative, unskillful tendencies, such as jealousy, ill will, envy, cold-heartedness, avarice, miserliness, they just die a natural death. So the far enemies of mudita are resentment, jealousy, indifference, and these are all forms of aversion. And the near enemies of this boundless form of love is excitement or exuberance. So if if you start to get too wound up about it, uh, you're you're moving away from um, the experience of mudita. So um, I'd like to share with you now some of the benefits of practicing mudita. And there are many. It fosters gratitude and generosity. It brings a joyful heart, which, as we saw earlier, leads to serenity and a concentrated mind. And as we practice mudita, we learn to appreciate what we have and to see the magic of the present moment. And as it counters jealousy and greed, mudita does a very good job of putting a break on our 
uh, grip of craving. So it's a very powerful uh, practice for helping us to let go of craving. Another um, wonderful thing about mudita is that it moves us closer to realizing the truth of not-self. And we start to awaken to the emptiness of the concepts of I, mine, me, basically the center of the universe, right? And it counteracts conceits of all kinds. It's an antidote to the judging mind. Um, It's an antidote to the comparing mind, to competitiveness. An antidote to discontent and dissatisfaction. And also to the fear and the depression we feel so many of us today in response to the state of the world. Pema Chodron calls mudita rejoicement therapy. And it's said that mudita can create a quiet stream of sympathy and understanding that starts to flow within us all the time. So the more we practice it, the more we, we uh, encourage this little river of sympathy to be active uh, in our lives. And it can also ripen us for uh, the other Brahma-viharas, loving-kindness, compassion, and equanimity. So if we want to uh, develop and ultimately perfect these four sublime abidings, these qualities of a boundless heart, a key first step is to be mindful of the good that has arisen. So let that sink in. It's as simple as that. Be, being mindful of the good that has arisen. You can practice mudita formally in meditation. You can also practice it in everyday life. I wonder if was, it was mudita that is expressed in the beautiful half-smile of the Buddha. I'll read you a translation by Gill of um, one of the Buddhist teachings in the Dhammapada. Ah, so happily we live, we who have no attachments. We shall feast on joy, as do the radiant gods. So happily we live, we who have no attachments. We shall feast on joy, as do the radiant gods. So it's, it's an antidote to craving, and it lifts the heart out of any preoccupation that somehow there isn't enough. The, these ideas that we carry around of insufficiency. And as gratitude and generosity um, become more prominent, the, the heart is, 
it kind of restores our heart. This is the kind of the rejoicement therapy I think that Bema was talking about. These buoyant energies that uh, are released um, help us to repair our negative energies. So mostly, um, one thing I I found interesting um, is that in the four Brahma Viharas, two of them are described as objective uh, and two of them are described as subjective. The objective ones are um, metta and karuna, loving kindness and compassion, that any situation, uh, any being, um, you can send friendliness or loving kindness to. And any being who is suffering, you can send uh, compassion to. But the two that are subjective are mudita and equanimity. And uh, it has to do with how we handle our own uh, relationship to whatever is happening. Um, with mudita, we have to uh, let the uh, the tendency to have a comparing mind or to be jealous or to wish we had what they had. We have to let that subside before mudita can blossom. And likewise, with equanimity, it's our own um, likes and dislikes that get in the way of being able to greet each moment as a friend. So there's, there's some self-work to be done uh, for all the Brahmi Viharas, but it's perhaps even more important for uh, sympathetic joy and equanimity. Most um, teachers teach mudita for others, um, but I believe that it's very helpful because of this subjective quality to begin with cultivating mudita uh, for ourselves. Um, I think it's probably very difficult to feel genuinely happy for others uh, if we're not content with what's inside here. And the more deeply that we drink from this wellspring uh, of sympathetic joy, the more secure we start to feel in our own happiness. And then the easier it is to celebrate the joys of other people. So, we begin by rejoicing. By finding something to be grateful for or happy about in our life. You may have heard the saying, um, I cried because I had no shoes until I met someone who had no feet. So it could be as simple as having sufficient health to be able to practice meditation or to be able to carry out a daily activity. And uh, the phrase that uh, I will suggest to you that we cultivate today for awakening sympathetic joy in ourselves 
is simply I rejoice, I am grateful, I'm content, I'm happy. It doesn't mean that your life has to be perfect. It doesn't mean that you can't be experiencing pain or suffering. But um, what you need to do is to find some aspect of your life that you can be happy about, that you can be grateful for. And let that come to the fore and then. I rejoice. I'm grateful. I'm content. I'm happy. I rejoice that I can still enjoy a modicum of good health. Maybe not perfect health, maybe serious illness, but there's still something in here that's alive. There's still something in here that is on the path of the Buddha. There's still something in here that can offer loving kindness to others. We can still radiate loving kindness no matter how uh, sick we are. And I've, I've seen people on their deathbeds do this. So even in times of illness, um, we can keep the mind healthy. If you've heard me talk before, you've probably heard me say this, but um, when the Buddha was visiting one of his lay disciples who was in great pain and he was dying, um, his disciple asked him um, for teachings. And the Buddha replied, the body may be afflicted, but the mind need not be afflicted. This is how you should practice. So even in the face of difficulty, we can rejoice that we have this beautiful path, that we can radiate love, that we have the teachings of whatever the present moment is offering us. One thing we can do um, to find something to be happy about is to remember um, our benefactors, those who have given us something that really helped us in our lives. And then another thing is to remember our own goodness, goodnesses that we've shown to others, kindnesses. So this this goodness of ours, it may not be operative 100% of the time, but we've all done something good for someone else, for another being. And this can be a great source of happiness. We can remember that we have food, shelter, clothing, medicines, that so many people on this planet are lacking. Or we can think of little things that make us happy, like this morning I had a cup of genmaicha, this Japanese green tea with the roasted rice. 
I just, I just love the taste of that, you know? It's, it was a moment of happiness. Again, my job. <laughs> it could be a smile that somebody gave us this morning or a beautiful view of the ocean. So, so we count our blessings. Um, as many of you know, studies in neuroscience uh, have shown that humans tend to focus on what's going wrong uh, in life, uh, whereas instead, if we were to focus on what's going right, we'd be much happier. You know, the, um, all the negative things about our lives are like Velcro, it really sticks, and the positive things in our lives is like Teflon, it, it, it slips away. So, you know, our job is to let go of the, the Velcro that's keeping us riveted on all the negative stuff and welcome and recognize and celebrate the good things. And this is not just, um, you know, uh, positive thinking. This is cultivating the conditions that set in place this movement towards uh, samadhi and complete liberation. And the key to our happiness is not having only pleasant experiences and no unpleasant experiences. It's not, it's not about what the, ple- what the present moment is offering us. It's about our response to it. It's, it's really as simple to that as that. So um, during your meditation today, you can bring to mind something that you can be grateful for, and then I rejoice. I'm grateful. I'm content. Happy. And you can do the same thing um, in everyday life whenever you feel grateful or happy. So, when you do mudita for yourself, it becomes easier and more natural to rejoice in the blessings of others. Uh, When you want to focus on uh, sending mudita out to others, it's good to begin with a friend or a benefactor, somebody who's done kindness for you that um, and it makes it very natural to feel the love uh, and then ask yourself what is it about this person uh, I can be happy for maybe they're enjoying a loving relationship or success at work or good health or spiritual qualities like Virtue, kindness, integrity, generosity, wisdom. And even if the person is suffering, you'll probably be able to find some positive aspect of them that you can rejoice for. And so 
with the practice of mudita, this happiness and good fortune of others becomes a cause for us to arouse happiness in ourselves. So for others, the phrases are something like, I rejoice, I'm happy for you. May you continue to prosper and flourish. May your good fortune and happiness increase. And may the causes of your good fortune and happiness increase. And then for a, a neutral person or a stranger, you see somebody's happy, having a good time, laughing, and you rejoice, you can be happy for them and wish that they'll have lots of happy times. But if you find yourself caught with uh, aversion, envy, jealousy, then the thing is to be patient with yourself. Bring to mind something that you can be grateful for and see if you can cultivate some happiness for some part of your life. And when you're proficient in uh, sending sympathetic joy to yourself, to a benefactor, to a stranger, um, then you can attempt it for a difficult person. And with that in hand, you can then move on to sending it out to all beings everywhere without exception. So I've gone over a little bit, but I would like to... um, express my wishes for all of us. May we experience gratitude, gratitude for each breath, for the sky, stars, and for our compassionate hearts that guide us invisibly. May we know the joy that's ours for the taking in this very moment. May we each find a rich store of blessings in ourselves. May we be content and happy with our own good fortune. And may we equally rejoice in the blessings of others, wishing for their continued happiness and well-being. Thank you.